This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonigal. It's time for the Blue White Breakdown podcast. Bob Flounders here with Johnny McGonigal. Johnny, we are inching closer to a couple of big days on the Penn State football schedule. Uh, Penn State Bowl Media Day is coming up, and we'll get to, we're going to get to hear from the coaches, the players, uh, the the new OC, Andy Kotelnicki. See, mm-hmm. I got that right. Yep, the, former, go. the former Kansas OC. But after that, next week, signing day. So Penn State, I, as we talk, James Franklin, as we talk here on Tuesday, December 12th, uh, James is, I think, busy tying up some loose ends on that note. And then before you know it, Johnny, it's going to be Christmas, one of your favorite holidays and mine. But then we get to get on a plane, go to Atlanta, hot Atlanta. We were there last year for the Auburn game briefly. And it's going to be time for the Peach Bowl and that rascal, Lane Kiffin, who's got a strong social media game when it comes to Penn State news. We're probably going to get to hear from him. But it's it's December, right? And it's they still don't have a new D.C. to replace Manny Diaz. A lot to get to. Um, as you know, I think as Penn State fans know, Johnny, I am a pretty significant Dallas Cowboys fan, and I know that you are not. But I think uh, if we wanted to, we could talk about the Penn State Eagles game. We're not going to talk about that. Let's just start with Penn State football. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, Bob. Let, let's not talk about Eagles Cowboys. Let's uh, you know because we want to keep this thing civil. We're here in person. Yeah. Uh, here at, at in the Penn, Penn Live Studios. Penn Live Studios. So. Uh, yeah, let's let's keep this thing civil. We'll talk about Penn State okay. football. There's so much going yeah. on. Uh, we can talk about the birds and, and the Cowboys if they play in the playoffs. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, n- you mentioned all those dates, right? Bowl media day coming up on Friday. You've got uh, sign, you know, the early signing period, which is basically the signing, you know, main <laughs> signing period uh, next Wednesday. Will Penn State have a defensive coordinator in place by then? Uh, because if they do, perhaps we'll be able to talk to them. Uh, if that's the case, but um, mm-hmm. so we'll we'll see, and then eventually, yeah, we'll get down to Atlanta. We'll cover a Peach Bowl, and uh, you know, th- there's going to be, you know, I would expect more transfer portal news that's after right. the, after the bowl game, uh, outgoings, incomings, offers going out. Uh, so plenty, plenty going on right now. Uh, and what we talked last week, Bob, is kind of the unofficial start of the off season, even though you still have a game, you know, to to play here coming up against Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. Uh, but, yeah, a lot, lot of news still flying around, and we'll see who they ultimately bring in as a defensive coordinator. Do you want to start there, Bob? you want to start with Manny Diaz leaving for Duke? I think I think that's what the Penn State fans want to know uh, the most about. We could talk a little bit about a former – well, he's technically a nitty, still a lion. Um, uh, Chop Robinson, you know, uh, yeah. not going to play in the Peach Bowl. No surprise there. Good, good on Chop. Uh, who's still on the team? Who might still – uh, either play or not play in the bowl game, but go to the draft. We can talk about all that, but I think you're right. I think we should start with uh, Penn State's former D.C., the current Duke head coach, Manny Diaz, who it became official. Uh, Friday night. Friday night. Yep. Friday night. Um, and let's let's uh, but let's start with, you know, what they want to know is we wish Manny well, but who who might be the next D.C., but also. What do you th- what it, what James Franklin's plan is for the Peach Bowl when it comes to the DC? Yeah, and you were at you were at his press conference yeah. uh, with Gary Stokin. What what did he say? What did he say about the DC, Bob? 
Did you beat Gary Stoken, the Peach Ball CEO? No, not no, Gary no, Stoken. No, James Franklin. James Franklin. Gary's a good guy. He I, is a good guy. I enjoyed talking with yeah. him. He was really, really good. There was lots of Chick-fil-A <laughs> uh, up there in uh, Beaver Stadium uh, after the press conference on Monday morning. But Jealous I missed out on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I th- it's, it wasn't surprising what he said. They do- So they, they are still, James is still uh, working on the D.C. hire. And he basically said, hey, look, we're probably going to handle this the way we handled um, uh, the OC job down the stretch after James fired Mike Yersich right after the Michigan game. And what he did was he handled it internally. Uh, he he just basically said Ty Howe and Jaywan Sider, Penn State's tight ends coach and running backs coach respectively, who James really, really appreciates uh, the value to the team, not only coaching up the players but also recruiting. They were the co-OCs, and I think James was mixed in there some as well. He's going to do the same thing for the bowl game. I would be surprised if Anthony Poindexter is pro- is not calling the defense uh, in the Peach Bowl. He's been in D.C. before. He was at UConn. He's got the title co-DC uh, at Penn State at the start of the year. Um, you know, when he was at Purdue, he was a co-DC as well. Uh, he might mix some Terry Smith in there, too, because I know James trusts him. But I think Poindexter is probably going to call the defense – um, it's a nice problem to have if you're the defensive coordinator getting caught up to speed with some of the athletes Penn State has. But um, even I think if the D.C. is hired before the bowl game, and it probably will be, um, he'll probably just do what Andy Kotelnicki doing right now. Observe, kind of get to know the team. I don't think he's going to have a role uh, in the bowl game. Yeah, Anthony Poindexter is the name to know there from an internal standpoint, not just right. Not just in the interim, but as a potential yes. promotion, you know, a, a potential replacement uh, for Manny Diaz, uh, Anthony Poindexter, the safeties coach, co-defensive coordinator at Penn State. It's not like he was calling any of the plays over the last two years. Manny Diaz, that's his job yeah. uh, in not only you know dialing up and designing Penn State's defense, but setting the tone uh, for what they've been over the last two years, which has been disruptive, aggressive, a lot of fun to play in. Uh, for everyone at every level. But Anthony Poindexter has been so integral and important from the secondary standpoint. Mm -hmm. We've seen the safeties over the last two years make a lot of plays in this defense. And uh, there's a lot of respect within the Lash building with the players and the coaching staff uh, for Anthony Poindexter. So I think he will get you know, consideration for this open job now that Penn State has. Uh, My question there is, yeah, he's had some DC experience in the past. You mentioned at UConn, mm-hmm. co-defensive coordinator at Purdue. But is this one where James wants to go outside the program, knowing what's at stake in 2024 with a you know potential Big Ten title push, mm-hmm. a college football playoff push with the 12-team playoff opening up, no Michigan on the schedule, like everything that goes into next year with a lot of talented players in their third and potential final year within the program? Uh, do they go outside the program to hire Manny's? Uh, Manny's replacement, his successor. And I, I think there's a lot of names out there. Uh, you, you look at maybe Tom Allen from you know Indiana, mm-hmm. head coach there. You know, Penn, Penn State and James Franklin has hired, you know, fired head coaches to become their defensive coordinator. Uh, look at Manny Diaz. Uh, he was a defensive mind before that. There's a couple of other names out there uh, as well. You know, not necessarily reported, but speculative names that make a lot of sense. I wrote about that uh, last week on Penn Live. If, yeah. you, if you guys want to go check that out, if you haven't. Uh, yet already, but whoever comes in and replaces Manny, Bob, we we both like Manny as a person, you know, just as a as a yeah. you know, as a guy to deal with, you know, from a you know media interview standpoint and everything else. But 
man, like those guys played for him over the last two years, and you know you could sense it at practice. You could sense it, uh, you know, after the Michigan State game, you know, with defensive players coming off the field, you know, celebrating with Manny, celebrating with Anthony Poindexter as well, who yeah. stuck around outside the locker room, high fived everyone going in after that Michigan State win. Um, so we'll see where they go, but whoever they they hire will be replacing. A coach that Penn State, I think, has been fortunate to have over the last two years. Yeah, and uh, I think that if you know, it's every once in a while James has promoted from within. Ricky Ronnie, uh, when Joe Moore had left after the 2017 season, he didn't waste. I think a lot of time. He 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 promoted him from within. It's it, it's happened. You know, uh, Bob Shoup was technically the DC when when James got here, although Brent Pry was listed as co-DC. Bob Shoup called the plays, and, and Brent just slid into that role. Yeah. I don't know if it's quite that situation, but I, what I do think, though, is if if, if, there's, if it's going to be somebody on the staff, it will be. It will be it, Anthony. It would be Anthony, but I, I do think you can't necessarily replace uh, a DC like Manny Diaz because you can say what you want about how Miami, when he, he came from Miami as the head coach, you can say what you want about the 21 and 15 record that he had at Miami. But when he was just the DC at Miami, he did some really impressive stuff. I think the three years before that. And I think James, you know, James is not going to, is not going to shy away from that. I think what Penn state was good at the last two years is what Manny Diaz was good at when he was the DC at Miami. And I think he's going to look for a guy that's really known for being disruptive, you know, takeaways, you know, pressure, Quarterback sacks, you know, uh, you know, up the field, uh, very disruptive. It's really hard to get stops in college football anymore with the way the ro- with the way that the, uh, uh, the the rules are for the offense. But you can you can change a game on one player. You can you can affect a drive with one big uh, tackle for loss or sack. He's going to be looking for a guy that every time everywhere he's gone, it, it's been a disruptive defense. That's what James wants. He has the athletes to do that. So. Whoever is going to come in is that you're going to see on his resume. I think a guy that's really been disruptive and has really been doing a lot of the things that Manny did at Penn State. Now, there's only one Manny Diaz, but there are plenty of DCs out there that are maybe similar minded. And I think that's what James is in the market for. Yeah, definitely. And just to build on that from a statistical standpoint, you know, last year, Penn State led the country in pass breakups. This year, led the country in sacks, yeah. third in the FBS and tackles for loss. Those are the kind of plays that can change a game. And that that's what Penn State's defense brought to the field time and time again over the last, what, 25 games, uh, the last two years. And so they'll they'll want to stay consistent with that because not only is that a winning formula from a defensive standpoint mm-hmm. in today's college football, but you've also recruited players to play within a scheme like that over the last three years and looking forward into the 2024 and 2025 recruiting classes. And so I think that's a good point you made on, on a philosophical level of what they want in a DC. Uh, it was interesting when James was talking about the offensive coordinator, uh, you know, what he wanted before mm-hmm. he hired Andy Kotelnicki to come over from Kansas. And he said that he wants someone to be kind of the head coach of the offense. Mm-hmm. He also wants someone that has a long and a big body of work, you know, very large sample size where it's not just one or two seasons that they had an explosive offense, yep. you know, thanks to a really good quarterback or a really good wide receiver or running back. And 
you know, defense, it's, it's kind of harder to, to do that, like kind of harder to just have a really good defense because of one player, but it happens. You know, there are, there are explosive players that will go in the first round that can just change defense. And so I think what James is going to be looking at, if it's not Anthony from an internal standpoint, if he's going external, He's going to be looking for a defensive coordinator who has done it not only at multiple stops, but over the course of multiple years. Yeah. Um, and so we'll see who who that ultimately is. I, you know, Normally, they're pretty quick about this. And we know from talking to James over the years, he always has a list for seemingly every position or every coordinator spot. Uh, that he could potentially you know lose someone, and this is this certainly was not a surprise right. that Manny Diaz left because it was understandable, you know, it was understood, you know, not only within the program but outside the program, you know, people covering Penn State and you know fans and everyone. Manny wanted to be a head coach again one day, you know, when when he got fired from Miami pretty unceremoniously, yeah. and Ma- Miami did not handle that the right way at all. Yeah, Manny obviously put his nose to the grindstone, went to work at Penn State, and did a great job, and was committed to Penn State for two seasons. But uh, I think he always had an eye on being a head coach again one day. And then this is an opportunity at Duke. We'll see how he does. But, um, but yeah. So, real quick, I'm glad you brought up the Miami experience. Is it a coincidence now that he's at Duke, and they might be seeing Miami, you know, in, a, in the next couple of years when Manny can kind of get his program in place at Duke? It won't be easy because Duke's a hard school, I think, maybe to get. Uh, you know, I don't know that they necessarily recruit the same way uh, on the football field that a lot of schools do because it's a little bit more challenged academically. But and it's a basketball school. Yeah, yeah, it's a basketball yeah. school. But I do think though that when Duke plays Miami, I'm sure that's a game that Manny's never gonna. He, he's not, that's going to be an interesting game to see him coach because I'm sure, like you said, it was not handled well, and uh, he's going to get a chance to uh, maybe uh, reintroduce himself. I think to the Hurricanes program that really is is a program that, despite you know, there were some. It's kind of struggling a little bit. Like it hasn't gotten like a lot better, I think, since he left. And I'm I'm getting real curious to watch those games over the years. Yeah, whenever that game first comes up, I'm I'm hoping Penn State doesn't play at the same time so we can watch. Uh, and you know, especially that whatever that post game handshake is between you know Manny Diaz and uh, Mario Cristobal at Miami. But uh, yeah, so we'll we'll see on that front. You mentioned Chop Robinson. Yeah. We, we we talked about some of the you know the the, the disruptiveness that this Penn State defense. Uh, has had and has embodied over the last couple of years. I think Chop Robinson has been a really big part of that. He was named the third team All-American this week by the AP. Um, I had him on my ballot uh, in that slot. I think he's just been a great player for Penn State over the last few years after transferring in from Maryland. So he declared for the NFL draft. He's not playing in, in the Peach Bowl. Theo Johnson, the tight end, declared for the NFL draft, will play. Uh, in the Peach Bowl. We'll see how many snaps he gets, Bob, because, yeah, he might be on a pitch count. James has alluded to that a couple of times of, hey, you know, handling players in a bowl game that are off to the NFL. They want to be with the team. But, you know, we saw, like, with Saquon Barkley at the the Fiesta Bowl Mm -hmm. in 2017 being on a snap count. And, um, you know, still awaiting decisions from a handful of players, really. I mean, we've talked about them already, but Olu Fashanu being the big one uh, that could opt out and yeah. obviously will declare for the NFL draft, uh, you know, a, a potential top five pick. Uh, but Curtis Jacobs, uh, you know, Kalen King, there, there, there's a, a long list of players, especially on the defensive side yeah. of the ball. Um, but Chop will not be playing in the Peach Bowl. Uh, what, what are what are your thoughts, Bob? Are you just kind of overall um, you know, assessment of what Chop kind of brought to this defense. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's uh, he was if he wasn't a, a, a five star, he was the highest of all four stars. A lot of people I think had him as a five star yeah. player at Maryland. Um, you know, Maryland not you know under under Mike Loxley not necessarily known for great defense. They they 
put some really good individual defensive talent into the NFL the last couple of years. I think the the, the New York Giants corner was a first round pick. Banks from uh, from Maryland, Dante Banks, yeah. really really good player. But it's just you know, and as a, as a true freshman, it's really hard, right? No matter what, you could be a six star. It's really hard to impact the game physically from that position. Uh, that's a that's a big jump. But I think he he showed flashes. But uh, he came to Penn State. Maybe, I don't know if maybe I don't know maybe if he noticed what Arnold Ebiketti did when he came from Temple to Penn State. But he made the right choice, and Manny Diaz um, put him to work right away. Developed him. Uh, you have to give I think uh, the whole defensive uh, staff a lot of credit. But uh, Chop almost immediately, you could tell in that Purdue game. Uh, if you look at the stat sheet, he didn't have a lot of stats, but. On that last Purdue possession, he forced, I think, a quarterback hurry that basically ended the game. He's a big game, big play player. Michigan could not handle him in that in that loss. That's, I think, one of the reasons why they ran 32 times in a row. Their, their tackles could not handle him. And he was coming off uh, the concussion issue that I think, I believe it was a concussion. that Seemed like it. Yeah, yeah. seemed like it anyway. It was definitely, you could tell, it was definitely something was going on. Uh, upper body, and he he looked real woozy uh, in the first half of the Ohio State game. But I just think that he is what the NFL is looking for, uh, a hybrid athlete who can impact the game. His first step, John, and, and then the assortment of moves he had, they, they, they used him in the middle of the field in a three-defensive end package. Guards couldn't handle him. Tackles couldn't handle him. He is, to me, he is... He, but you could speculate. I just think he is a first-round talent, and it wouldn't surprise me if he went, you know, in the top fifteen picks. It wouldn't surprise me if he went in the top twelve picks. Maybe he'll go in the, you know, he'll somewhere in the first round. He's going to go. You cannot afford, in in the way the NFL is played now, you can't afford to pass on a talent like that in the first round. He's surefire to me. I think he's a first-round pick. If somebody gets him in the second round, they got to steal. But he is. Uh, I've seen a lot of good defensive ends uh, during my time at Penn State. He is he is right up there. And I'll tell you what, Adisa Isaac is another yep. guy uh, that could, po- could potentially make a decision regarding the, regarding. Uh, he's obviously going to go to the draft. He was a 2019 kid. There's no reason for him to come back, but he might actually play in the bowl a little bit. But even if even if they don't have those two guys, Johnny, I am really excited to see Deny Dennis Sutton not only in the bowl game. Uh, but next year, and Jameel Lyons is another guy I think that is about ready to go. Zariah Fisher, I think, has really made big strides. To lose two talents like Chop and Adisa Isaac and still look at next year's defensive end room and go, boy, they're going to be really tough to block. It, it speaks to how James has recruited at just about every position, but if you're a D.C., you want to come to Penn State and coach this group because you look at defensive end, you look at the linebackers, you look at the secondary. You look at a player like Kevin Winston and some of the corners they have got coming back. Cam Miller, at the very least, some young players they like. Uh, Tony Rowas is a linebacker. Abdul Carter. Abdul Carter. I mean, what what coordinator wouldn't want to make? I think that the to, play, to be the defensive coordinator at Penn State, I think is an upgrade that just about, you know, that James talks about lateral moves. You don't want to lose a guy. I think any DC in the country would want to come to Penn State almost and, and coordinate this defense. They're going to pay you too. Yeah, they're going to pay you. I mean, we saw you know the reported figures what Andy Kotelnicki is going to make as the offensive coordinator for Penn State. I believe it's a four-year deal. Uh, the CDT and the Athletic had these figures where it's one point six the first year, and then it you know goes up to two uh, million per you know in twenty twenty-seven. I guess it would mm-hmm. be uh, his fourth year. So uh, you would think that a defensive coordinator is going to going to get that kind of money. Uh, and 
look, it, it, they're going to have a lot to work with still, even mm. without Chop, assuming Adisa goes as well. Adisa really made himself some money this yeah. year, uh, coming off of a, a really serious injury that cost him his 2021 season. Uh, it felt like even last year, the first half of the year, was just about him knocking the rust off and getting comfortable again. Uh, you know, playing you know a lot of snaps a game and starting it and being being an effective. Um, disruptive player, and he's been all over the ball this year. So, yeah, losing those two players, assuming Adisa goes to the NFL, th- th- that is a lot to lose, you know, because even statistically, you, you look at what Chop brought, I think he's 17 and a half tackles for loss and 22 appearances. <laughs> uh, and, and, and honestly, yeah. it could have been way more. Yeah. You look at the speed, the burst, like you mentioned, yeah. off the edge, his, you know, his explosiveness. Like Even when he wasn't making the play, yeah. he was affecting it. He was creating sacks and creating TFLs for other players. And so they're losing a lot in, in Chop and Adisa, but I, I am really fascinated to see what Denai does. Former five-star player, you've seen flashes of what he could be. Mm. Zariah Fisher, I think, is a rotational piece, has yeah. been really nice. You mentioned Jamil Lyons, a true freshman from Philly, uh, burned his redshirt this year after Chop and Amin Vanover went down at Ohio State, and he was needed to fill in, and I thought played well. Amin Vanover, who had four and a half tackles for loss last season, this year bitten by that injury mm-hmm. bug, um, but a talented guy nonetheless. And so I think their DN room is still in a good spot, especially with Dion Barnes coaching that group. They play for him. He's a good recruiter, yeah. knows what he's doing. And so I think the future of Penn State's defense is very bright, even though we don't know who the defensive coordinator uh, is going to be. You kind of trust that the talent that they have and the reputation that they have over a multi-year period under James Franklin, you know, in you know through 10 years of his tenure, um, that they're going to be able to attract a really good candidate to come in and call this defense. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Johnny, a couple things still to get to here on the Blue White Breakdown. Uh, It's December 12th. Uh, It's going to be a busy next three weeks uh, for James Franklin, his program, his assistants, uh, and his players, obviously. Uh, Just wanted to, before we get to, I know you're going to do a lot of stuff on signing day, but I just wanted wanted to talk a little bit about that. Before we get to that, though, the tight end room, because... Uh, Theo Johnson uh, is going to play in the bowl in the bowl game, um, but he, you know, this that'll be his last game. Uh, I I don't see a world in which Tyler Warren is coming back to Penn State. He actually might make a decision about what he's going to do, whether he's going to play in the bowl game or not. But between the two of them, um, you know, Penn State has had I would say better tight ends during at Penn State during uh, the James Franklin era. When you talk about Fryermuth and Mike Isicki, but I don't Br- know. Brenton Strange, Brent too. Brenton Strange, yes. I know, thank, I know he's your guy. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for, for putting that up. I don't know, though, other than maybe last year a little bit, to have two tight ends play the way that Tyler uh, and Theo did. Theo more in the passing game. I think Tyler maybe a little bit more all the way around. But, you know, they move on from Warren and Theo Johnson. That's Now, that's something I think a lot of people are going to be talking about in the offseason, I know they have some young players in the system that have a lot of ability. There's also a player like Khalil Dinkins, who every time anyway, I think he had two touchdown catches on three passes, and we wonder why we didn't see him more. I'm sure there's something to that as well. But I just think it's going to be a different-looking tight end room, and I don't know that you can pencil in uh, their top two tight ends next year for 13 combined touchdown catches. I think this is going to be interesting to see uh, not only what Ty Howell, the tight ends coach, does in the offseason, but also 
uh, Andy Kotelnicki, how he kind of uses the tight ends because they don't six foot six, two hundred sixty pound tight ends that can really make an impact in a variety of ways. They don't just kind of grow on trees, and they I was kind of a you know that was really kind of a strength I think for Penn State, especially the last two years. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you look at Khalil Dinkins. I think that's the first name uh, that would come to the minds of many when you talk about tight ends who you know could could step up in place of Theo and assuming Tyler Warren, who I said a decent made, made himself some money this yeah. year. Tyler Warren really did too, especially in the red zone. Like, yeah. you know how strong he was at the catch point. I think NFL scouts and GMs and coaches are going to look at those, look at that tape and really like what they saw from Tyler Warren this year. Um, but yeah, you look at you know Khalil Dinkins uh, from Pittsburgh. You know, working in as that number three tight end, he was in in the T formation a lot this year, utilized in the red zone, uh, some fourth down conversions. Uh, he, he's a guy that a lot of players and coaches have talked up, uh, not only throughout the season, but in the preseason. Like it was kind of, uh, it was kind of forecasted that he would be this number three tight end for Penn State, mm-hmm. and you would expect him to take another jump. A player to keep an eye on who hasn't really played a whole lot this year to maintain yeah. his red shirt is Andrew Rappel. Yeah, uh, a really highly regarded uh, tight end uh, out of the Boston, uh, New England area. Uh, 2023 signee, one of the best tight ends in that class. I think they've liked what they've seen from him in practice. Just you don't want to burn his redshirt if you don't have to, and they haven't had to. Uh, so I think Andrew is one to keep an eye on. And then looking forward, even you know, if you're looking for a freshman in the 2024 class uh, to break out, you know, Luke Reynolds is arguably the best tight end yeah. in the 2024 class. Uh, and so assuming he, you know, he's all good and he signs, put you know, pe- puts pen to paper, sends in you know the NLI, NLI um, you know, next Wednesday. Uh, he's a potential breakout candidate. If we're talking about true freshmen that could come in to make an impact. So uh, they're still recruiting really well at the position. But yeah, like you said, Bob, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how Andrew, Andy Kotelnicki wants to use the tight ends. Uh, and, and ultimately, if they're able to get to a point where, you know, what Theo and, and Tyler did uh, this year. And I even thought they could they could have been involved even more. Uh, earlier in the year and what Brenton did. And like you said, Gesicki, Fryermuth, there's mm-hmm. a lineage of tight ends at Penn state. And I do think they have the talent uh, to keep that going. Yeah. Fryermuth also a uh, Massachusetts uh, recruit, right? Yep. From the Boston area. So there's a little bit of a recent history there that if, if Andrew can be, I'm not trying to put any pressure on him, but if uh, <laughs> whatever's in the water up there, that might be a, that might be a good sign. Uh, he was uh, Andrew was blocked this year, right? It was going to be tough to get on the field as a true freshman in this tight end room, and Pat or uh, Pat was able to play right away as a true freshman in eighteen, actually at the expense of Zach Koontz, but he was that good. So we'll see what happens, uh, Johnny, at, at tight end. I wanted to say, so two things for uh, for our audience just to look forward to. I'm, I know we're both very much looking forward to Friday's Bowl Media Day, especially because we're going to get a chance to talk. Um, to the new OC and just kind of get a feel for a little bit of what, what he's like, what his personality is like, you know, what, what he has to say. It's his, it is, it's hard to believe in 10 years, it's his, his sixth OC, James Franklin's sixth OC. Um, it is what it is. It'll be the, I think it'll be the third permanent DC when he does hire somebody, but we're, we're looking forward to talking to him. And Johnny, I just wanted to get your thoughts, just real, just an overview of uh, for the Penn state fans that have really been, Maybe haven't heard anything of late. Just signing day in general, kind of where Penn State's class sits. Do you expect them to be busy, or is this more of James Franklin and his assistants just kind of reassuring everyone and making sure everyone, there's not going to be any surprises? Because James traditionally has been pretty good. They don't get a lot of late surprises that are bad news. Maybe they'll get some good news, but he and his staff have been very good about keeping classes intact overall. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be more of the latter. Like you said, is it going to be crazy or is it going to be more just reassuring guys? I mean, they already have uh, 25 players committed in the 2024 yeah. class. It ranks 13th nationally on 24-7. A lot of high-end players. I mentioned Luke Reynolds, uh, Quentin Martin from Bell Vernon, the really talented running back. You have your quarterback yeah. already in tow uh, in Ethan Grunkmeyer, who works with Brad Mendler, the personal quarterbacks coach of Drew Aller. So there's no reason to worry there that you might get a, you know, a school come in and try to flip him late. I, I think a lot of these guys are pretty secure in, in their Penn State commitment. Uh, you know, it's it's signing day, right? So you, you never you never know until you get that official word in. And James Franklin is the first one to say it, right? Like you you never always know a hundred percent. That's why they always go nuts whenever you know they get those players on Facetime on signing day, and and they're all official and they're all in. But I would expect a lot of a lot of official words coming in. You know, early Wednesday morning, like 7 a.m., 7.50. It's going to be an early morning for everyone. Uh, so I, I think that this class, though, is in a really good spot. And I think that's why, uh, you know, not only over the next couple weeks, but even after the bowl game, you're going to see some some fringe players on this Penn State roster currently yeah. enter the portal because you have to make space on your roster for a really talented recruiting class that's coming in. You have to stay at that 85 scholarship limit. Uh, and so I think there's going to be a handful of players. A couple have already entered the portal. There's going to be even more that kind of see the writing on the wall after those tough conversations that they have with James Franklin and their position coaches. All right, Johnny McGonigal, in the last 30 seconds here of the blue-white breakdown, I know you already wrote about it. Penn State actually added a player uh, it did. In, in the transfer portal, uh, a smaller college uh, standout offensive lineman. Uh, what's just what what are the cliff notes just about about him? We're going to find out more about him, I think, in the coming days. But just your thoughts on that ad? Yeah, just the cliff notes version on Alan Heron. Uh, he's a you know sought after offensive tackle, D two guy from a shorter university, I believe it's in Georgia. Uh, you know he committed to Penn State. He visited campus over the weekend. He visited Texas Tech the weekend before. Was slated to visit Clemson. Also had offers from Auburn, Miami, Virginia Tech, Louisville, Maryland, NC State. All right. So it's a pretty good list, uh, especially for a D two guy. I mean, he's got the measurables you want: six foot six, three hundred and ten pounds. At offensive tackle, is he going to come in and start right away? You know, assuming Olufashanu you know, goes to the NFL, and who knows? Uh, you know, with Caden Wallace at right tackle, yes. he hasn't made a decision yet, uh, or at least hasn't publicized a decision yet if he's going to leave or come back for uh, his final year at Penn State. You've got Javen Williams mm-hmm. in the system there. Yes. You got Drew Shelton in the system, uh, and so there's some young talent there. But I think Alan Heron, at the very least, can come in and provide some depth for Phil Troutwine's room. Mm-hmm. And yeah, when you have a, when you have an offer from Clemson and from yeah. obviously from Penn State, like you know, and you're a D two guy, you're doing something right. And so I think this guy has you know, it's kind of that raw potential. Uh, that Phil Troutwine and Penn State are looking for. Yeah, you know who else was also from uh, the Georgia area was Hunter Norzad. He played in the Ivy League, but he was a a Georgia schoolboy star. So I'm not trying to connect the dots or put any pressure on this guy because Hunter was really, really a great addition. Uh, He was an Ivy League standout, but they don't always fire at this level. I thought under-the-radar player at Penn State the last two years, helped at guard last year where he started, center this year, second-team All-Big Ten, deservedly so, so – Hopefully there's a Georgia angle to this that's going to pay off for Penn State, but it is it is unusual to see a Division II guy jump to this level. But I can tell you, I mean, we both know James Franklin and his staff are not going to go after a guy, nor are schools like Clemson and, and, and the like, if this kid could really play. I'm anxious to see what he can do, 
short-term and long-term. Johnny, I'm also anxious to see you up at Bowl Media Day on Friday. Then it's going to be signing day. Then I'm even more anxious to see you in Atlanta before the game. You talk about a Georgia angle. Yeah, you got the Peach Bowl coming up. It's, it's, Come on. It's, it's, it's like, is it serendipity? I don't know what it is, but it just seems like Georgia, it's, it's coming up, Rose's Norzad. This guy, I think a Penn State win in the Peach Bowl. It's kind of where I'm leaning right now. We'll see. We've got to hear from Lane Kiffin. But, Johnny, good talking with you. We will be back. Uh, we'll be back very soon to talk more about Signing Day, Bold Media Day. You guys stick around, have a good holiday, enjoy the weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live.